Welcome to episode 27 of Early Stoppage. I'm your host, Derek Moody, and on today's episode, I was honored to chop it up with ACB welterweight Adam Primetime Townsend. We cover a lot in this episode, from doing motocross as a child and excelling in football, hosting fights in his living room, ultimately traveling the world with ACB to running a political campaign in his hometown. Throughout this episode, we touch on upcoming fights as well. He's a rare breed having professional wins in MMA, boxing, and Muay Thai. This was definitely one of my favorite episodes, and I'm positive you'll enjoy it. So joining me today is ACB welterweight contender, Adam Primetime Townsend. Welcome to Early Stoppage. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you. All right. I like to start the show off by getting to know the person behind the fighter. So we'll kick this off with some random questions and work our way back to MMA. Sweet. What's your favorite genre of music? Uh, rap. I listen to rap and rap only is about all I listen to, man. Who are you currently listening to? Uh, currently right now? Um, a rapper named Young Dolph is uh he's he's been on my radar for a while. He's uh he's out of Memphis, Tennessee, which is the other end of Tennessee from me, but it's still uh you know it's still a, a cool place. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite cheat meal? That's all I have. That's all I do is cheat meals, bro. So I mean, <laughs> uh, I you know I eat a lot of burgers, a lot of cheese fries, a lot of uh, Reese cups, a lot of pizza. I eat everything. There's not really a a thing that I don't eat, man. I'm from the South, so we eat real good. We know we eat soup beans and cornbread and mashed potatoes and gravy and biscuit and gravy. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, I eat good. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite sport outside of combat sports? Uh, football, hands down. Not soccer. Not, not soccer. Football. <laughs> oh, yeah. American football. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, man. I got a Dallas Cowboys tattoo on my right leg. Huge fan. So I'm guessing the uh, Deion Sanders is probably the influence behind the nickname Primetime. Finally, somebody finally, finally sees that man. I'm glad. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, Deion. When I was growing up, you know, Primetime. I mean, he was the most. Uh, you know, he, he was the most electrifying dude on on in sports at the time, man. I mean, he was he was a shutdown corner, and uh, you know, not a lot of people. You know, not a lot of people from MMA side of things really gets that. You know, there's not a lot of. I mean, I guess there is. I, I mean. Most of the people I interview or interview me, I mean, just never put two and two together with Primetime and Deion Sanders and me being a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So, yeah, that's where it comes from. You're the first one that's ever got that. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> I mean, Primetime was, was, was huge, man. I mean, growing up watching him, I mean, I, to this day, I've yet to see a DB shut down a whole side of a field like him. No, I mean, you know, Sherman, I guess Sherman was kind of the, the, the closest one. He, he, tried to, he tried to imitate uh, Dion a little too much, you know, but the thing about Dion was, I mean, he was just such an athlete. Like, you know, he, he went from really just being, you know, he, he played offense, he played defense, he's kick return, punt return, played baseball. The only person to ever play two different professional sports in one day. You know, he played, uh, I think he played a game for the, for the Falcons and went and played a game for the Braves or whoever he played for. I can't remember he played in baseball, but you know, he, he played two games in one day a football game and a professional baseball game, which is insane. He loved being in the spotlight. He loved sports. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. he'd probably still try yeah. to do it now if his feet weren't so bad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you suffer any injuries when you used to do motocross? Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I, broke my, I broke my leg when I was a kid. I, I raced from about when I was about uh, uh, you know, six or seven until I was about 10 or 11. And, and I've got, you know, I got to where I was really good. Broke my leg, uh, got out of it in the winter, started playing 
foot. It was, you know, the season was pretty much over. Uh, they really didn't have indoors, and I wasn't interested in racing indoors when I was a kid either. And uh, started playing football that season and got really good at football and, and just kind of said, hey, you know, too much money. You know, my, my mom and dad didn't have no money. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me to do motocross was crazy expensive. It was, you know, we, we was pulling up there in a old junker truck and everybody else had, you know, $250,000 campers and RVs and, and toy haulers and pulling up like that. And I was still out there smoking them dudes, but at the same time, I mean, it's just a, it's a sport about money. You know, it's, you can go as far as your money can go in that sport, really. Oh, man, it's good to know. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah. Now, what was the first MMA fight you ever saw? I want to say it was like, like Chuck Liddell or no, no, no. I, I want to say maybe Tito versus Chuck one or, or I can't remember. No, I think the first fight card I ever bought was, was Tito versus Shamrock. I think that was the first one I ever bought. Was he, but as far as the first one I ever saw, I, I can't remember. I want to say it was Tito, though, that, that I don't remember who he fought, but I think it was Tito was the first fight I ever watched. Now, what was the first form of martial arts that you studied? Uh, I've done it all, man. Like, we just we, – we, we would sit at the house watching these UFC events, you know, and as we would watch these UFC events, you know, I was just a huge fan. You know, I really liked uh, uh, George St. Pierre. I really liked Clay Guida at the time. Um, Roger Huerta, uh, you know, Chuck Liddell, Tito, uh, Rampage, you know, all the pride guys, you know, that was like kind of my era that I really got into fighting. And as I watched all those guys, man, I just sit there and thought, man, I feel like I can do this. I really feel like I can do this. You know, I never, I wasn't a fighter outside of fighting. Like I'd been in very, very, very few fights uh, outside of fighting in my life. The more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, I, I really think that, that I could do this. And Long story short, man, I had a I had a friend that brought over a guy that, that trained a little bit to watch some UFC fights. They came over, and, and he brought another friend with him. They invited me to the gym to, to go over there and, and, you know, train one day. I was like, you know what, man, screw it. Let's do it. And I went to the gym and, and been doing it ever since. Okay. Now, was this after you used to have fights in your living room? Yeah, yeah. So, that's that, that was kind of like the, the build-up to it. You know, I mean, we always have these fights in the living room like every – you know, every uh, after every event, you know, we do some grappling, we do some boxing. We'd kind of, you know, we never we would never put on the little gloves or anything like that. But we done those for a long time, man. And I went undefeated for a long time in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you have one fighter that you uh, that you grew up watching that you enjoyed the most? I mean, I, I would say honestly, you know, my favorite fighter definitely, uh, you know, coming up. Um, even even when I was, you know, first got into fighting which he kind of you know fell off there at the end was George St. Pierre you know he come back and beat Michael Bisping but I don't think that was too you know tough of a task for him you know he come back and fought Tyron Woodley or somebody like that or you know uh not really Wonder Boy but if he fought uh what's that other 170 what's the what's the European 170 guy oh Darren Till yeah if he fought a Till you know he fought some of those guys like that that are really uh true like new new breed MMA guys uh, and, and beat one of those guys, I'd have had a lot more respect for it. But at the same time, you know, George St. Pierre is an animal, bro. He, he's, uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of people out there that's like him. And, and I've always just respected how, how much of a craft that he really, you know, he was never one of these shit talkers. You know, you got the shit talkers, you got the respectable guys. But even if George was talking shit about somebody, he was, you know, really respectful about it. Like, I'm not <laughs> impressed with your performance, you know, when he said that. Just things like that, man, is it, just really, it made me respect the sport because, it just showed me, I guess, that not everybody's got to be the bad guy. Not every fighter has got to be like, you know, some Billy Badass walking around all the time, you know, 
like that. And I think that's really what made me respect George. He's definitely different than most of the younger fighters out nowadays where they use their mouth to get them fights. That's just that's just this day and time, though. Like, you know, back then, like, you really didn't have – like, who – I'm even – you know, Tito was a little bit of a shit talker back in the day. But, I mean, Kel Sonnen right there coming up, which I still think is the, is the greatest shit talker. Um, everybody acts like the Diaz brothers are good. The Diaz brothers are by far the worst shit talkers in the game. I think what's funny about the Diaz brothers, they just say stupid shit. Like, they just say, you know, random, goofy, pothead sayings that that people, you know, flock to. But as far as shit talking, like, Chell, Connor, you know, all those guys are, are, are better at, at, at shit talking. And, and, you know, Chell, in my opinion, is the best shit talker ever. But this day and time, man, everybody's trying to follow that Conor McGregor model, uh, which which works. I mean, you talk some shit, you, you, you back it up, and, then you know, it works. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So after you had like the living room fights, the apartment fights, and you went to that gym to train, how did you get into mixed martial arts from there? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was it was a it was a sambo and jujitsu gym, not really striking there at all. So I took to grappling really, really. You know, I was good at. Gra- I'm not saying I was good at grappling by any means, man. Let's let's back up. <laughs> I, I was I was advanced in grappling for somebody that never ever knew anything about wrestling or grappling because. I had a football background, and up on top of my football background, I just studied, you know, I, I, I really loved Joe Rogan as a commentator back in the day because he broke things down. You know, he, you know, like he's like, oh, you know, the, guy, the guy's on this side of the guillotine, he's got to move the other side to release the pressure, or a guy's got to turn it in the triangle, or, you know, he needs to do this for the Kimura. And I just listened to that stuff and studied it as a – when I was just, you know, fighting people in my living room and stuff like that, grappling. And, you know, when I first went to the gym, you know, people have thought I trained before just from that little bit of knowledge that I had. Like my first day at the gym, there's a guy named Adam Robbins that, that really helped me in the very, you know, early stages of my career where he just was like, hey, man, like, you know, I subbed him the first day with a Kimura that I learned that day in class. You know, he was a purple belt. You know, he wouldn't expect it at all. Everybody thought it was a shit because not merely, really anybody ever subs that dude. You know, it was just one of those things like that grappling was just easier to me because I'm short, you know, I'm stubby, compact all that thing, it really just, you know, played a, played a role in, in to me being the, the grappler that I am. Okay, yeah, that's good background right there. Thank you. You recently took a Muay Thai fight at Valor 51. How was that experience for you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 2-0 as a professional boxer, 19-5 uh, and five professional MMA. Uh, there's not – I mean, I don't know of many people that are professional boxer, professional MMA fighters, and professional Muay Thai fighters. I just thought it was kind of a – just put another feather in my cap, essentially. Um, and just to get seen by the locals, man. Like, you know, I've been out of the local scene for so long. You know, not a lot of these people even know who I am in the local scene simply because it's been so long since I've been in there. So, I just kind of wanted to come back to the local scene and say, hey, it's me. You know, I'm still still here, still fighting, still making money, still, you know, proving I'm, the, you know, one of the best people in the world at this sport. And I, I just wanted to, you know, go out there and showcase my Muay Thai skills as well. Which you know, I think I done. You know, I had some, I had a sweep, I had some knees, had some elbows. I done everything in a Muay Thai fight that I felt like a Muay Thai fighter should definitely do. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great way to show off your skill set. Now you do have wins in MMA, boxing, and now Muay Thai. Not many people can say they've accomplished that. How does that feel? Yeah, uh, you know, like I said, man, I just, I, I feel like it's uh, just shows how how well rounded of a fighter I am. You know, primarily, man, I, I think it shows that that I'm just, uh, you know. I, I can do a little bit of everything. I'm not just like one of these one-dimensional fighters that, that goes out there and, and does the same thing all the time. You know, I like to try to switch it up and, 
and to show the different, you know, skills that I have because, you know, it's always easy, you know, if I'm a lot better than somebody at grappling, then that's what I'm going to do against them. I'm going to grapple. If I'm, you know, but in a Muay Thai fight, you know, that just showcases my stand-up and it makes me stand up with people. So I feel like it just gave me an opportunity to showcase some of the skills that I've developed in striking that I don't get to use a lot during just a, you know, in a straight MMA fight. Yeah, definitely. Now you're 2-0 as a boxer. It's been a few years since you last competed in boxing. Have you thought about taking a fight in between MMA fights? Uh, of course, man. I mean, boxing is really something I really want to get into. It's just, that, you know, it's just so hard, man. You know, when you're fighting overseas and they're telling you you're fighting here and there and everywhere. And then boxing on a local level is just so hard to, you know, get fights. And, you know, when you're fighting guys for four or $500, those guys are four or $500 guys. You know what I mean? So – if the four or five hundred dollar guy, they're a four or five hundred dollar guy at weigh-ins, or a five hundred dollar guy at fight, or a five hundred dollar guy doing their medicals, and all those fights fall through. You know, I probably have three or four fights fall through on me in boxing. So it's 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 not really been the lack of me not wanting to do it. It just kind of pisses you off when you when you train for something and you don't get to it don't get to happen. So it kind of makes you fall in love with that sport and just like, okay, I'm established MMA. When I have an MMA fight, the guy's probably not going to back out on me last minute. I'm definitely going to have a fight. You know, it, it makes the work, you know, the work worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. There's another welterweight in Bellator, Michael Venom Page. He's he's recently started doing boxing as well. Now, there's a there's a big size difference in your height, but you're both, you know, around the same weight class. Would that be a boxing fight you might want to pursue? I, I wouldn't want to box the guy. I would want to fight him in MMA. I've, I've called him out on Twitter, I don't know, a bunch of times trying to talk some shit and trying to get a fight with that dude. I think Bellator is uh, – you know, building him up and, and letting him fight some uh, some smaller guys like that last bummy fought, you know, the 55-er, and, uh, you know, didn't even have that good of a record. I, I, I don't, you know, I think the guy's a lot of smoke. I think if somebody got in his ass like I would, I think he'd be a fairly easy win for me because I'd take him down and I'd beat him up pretty quickly. It would show how uh, one, well, you know, it would show how one-dimensional he is with the striking. Uh, once I got him to the ground and, and started beating on him and then he would give up something, I'd probably take home his arm or his neck. It'd definitely be a fight I'm interested in, but for MMA, not boxing. Well, some people have said he's been protected, but now he's in that welterweight tournament. Yes, protection there because there's a lot of savages in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what I said. I said, you know, put this dude up against Roy McDonald. Put him up against Douglas Lima, Diego Lima, whichever one it is. And uh, it's it's Diego, right? Diego Lima? Uh, Douglas. Douglas, yeah. Put him up against Douglas, man. Let Douglas get a hold of him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't don't put him in there with guys nobody's ever heard of and guys that fight uh, 15 pounds lighter than he does and then calling him you know calling him the next big thing. Like I said, they're marketing him right. You know, it must be nice to to have that, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Now, fighting for ACB, you've been you've been able to fight all around the world. Where was your favorite place to fight? Like Australia. Australia was cool. Austria was also cool. Um, you know, I enjoy, I've enjoyed them all. Uh, I didn't like Russia, not one little single bit. Uh, food is horrible. <laughs> that, that, I don't know if it's that. I'm not saying all of Russia, just that particular spot. But, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't for me. Um, England, uh, Austria, China, Russia, or uh, Australia, all those were cool. You know, I had a great time at all those places. How has your experience been within the ACB promotion? How are they treating you over there? Uh, you know, at first it was really good. And, and I'm not saying it's not good anymore. It's just, you know. I understand they're, you know, having a little bit of – I don't I don't necessarily think it's that they're having money issues as far as don't have money. I think they're trying to restructure and trying to make sure that they're spending their money the right way. They just do stuff that don't make no sense, man. Like like my last fight, you know, having two Americans come to Australia to fight, 
don't make a lot of sense or, you know, bringing a bunch of England fighters to Australia to fight. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know what they're doing, but, you know, the, it, the things they do don't make sense. Um, just like not giving me that title fight. You know, every fight that I've had for them has been, like, you know, short notice essentially. Uh, and the, the last one in, in, in Australia was, was my fault that it was short notice because I said, hey, I want to fight. Give me a fight ASAP, and they gave me one. So I'm not discrediting them for that. But at the same time, you know, I fought for them uh, three times. Uh, or I should have fought four times. I missed weight that one time um, because everything was on short notice, you know. So it's just kind of frustrating that when I tried to explain to them, hey, I should be getting this title shot from the beginning. You passed me up with two other guys already. Now you're, now you're passing me up again because I don't want to take this fight on a week's notice a five-round title fight against, a, you know, a damn good opponent and, uh, and Abel Trumanoff or whatever his name is, Albert Trumanoff, whatever, uh, you know, and, and a really good opponent for him fighting him for 25 minutes. You know, I was like, hey, move the fight to November. Let, let this make sense. You know, I realized that Albert probably wants to fight. He's been training hard, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But at the same time, you know, doing the, doing right things, you know, sometimes make a little bit more sense than just doing whatever. So, you know, it's kind of just frustrated me. I mean, you know, I realize that I'm the American and I'm supposed to come get beat by the Russian guys and be beat by the other guys. I realize that's the, the part of it, you know, in a sense. But at the same time, man, you know, after you do so much for a promotion, uh, you know, you, I feel like I should, hey, get a pat on the back or at least, you know, um, you know, something worth, worth my while, you know. So it just kind of frustrates me in that sense, I guess. What were your thoughts when Brett Cooper pulled out of the fight with you? Then you go on, you beat um, Joblin. Then Cooper gets the Tumanov fight. Then he pulls out of the Tumanov fight. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I told them from the jump, I was like, don't call me uh, when, uh, when your boy pulls from the fight. You know, don't, don't, don't call me and, you know, when Brett pulls from the I, I sent a dude a message. I've got screenshots of that. Like, I've been wanting to post them. I just refrain from it, you know. But I was like, you know, don't, don't call me on a week, you know, two or three weeks notice because I've not been training. I said, if y'all would have told me to be trained and be ready just in case something happens, I would have. I've started my own business up. So I've been staying so busy at that, I barely had time to breathe, much less train. But, you know, I can make time for, you know, an extra, you know, <laughs> you know, an extra couple thousand dollars, you know what I mean? So, but at the same time, I told them that stuff. So it is, like I said, man, they do shit that don't make no sense. You know, I understand that Brett Cooper's on a, on a good win streak for him or, you know, he used to fight for the championship or used to be the champion, whatever the situation is. I, I realize that, but you, you've also got to put in mind, like, hey, this dumb pulled out of a fight against you, okay? And he never even gave a reason. For, I mean, I never got a reason. I asked the guys two or three times when I, I was over in the, you know, over there. I was like, hey, man, why, why don't why don't Ryan Cooper fight me? And, and they never got – they're like, I don't know. They said he's injured. But when, I, when you go back and look, if you, if you stalk any of his social media, he never, ever posted anything about me and him fighting that I could ever see, I, unless I missed something. But I, I followed him on everything, looked on everything. He never even showed up that he was fighting. So I don't know if he's ever even took the fight serious to begin with. And then the same way for this one against the against, – for the championship. Yeah, I, I never heard anything – any injury reason. I just heard that he pulled out again. So we didn't – we never got yeah. any reason on it. Right. Right now, you're just focusing on your own business. You don't currently have anything in the works. Man, I mean, I'm talking with ACB. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've committed to another three fights with ACB, but if they're not going to hold up their side of the bargain, I'm not going to hold up my side of the bargain. So, you know, if another promotion wants to come around and pay me what ACB's paying and, and you know, or 
or, you know, somewhere in that figure, you know, it's definitely something I'm going to entertain and, and, and possibly go with. So, I mean, ACB's got to realize, you know, that, that I'm trying to, you know, I wanted to fight like three times this year. That's what I told them. And they're like, yeah, man, we know we can do that because they talked about doing shows and, uh, you know, they canceled like five shows or whatever. So, it's like 90 – ACB 93 is now like 89. You know what I mean? So, uh, or 88 or whatever it is. So, I, I told them, like, you know, I want to fight a couple more times this year. You know, let me fight every three months. But like, yeah, we, we'll definitely do that for you. We got shows in America. We got shows here. We got shows here. And none of those shows ever happened. So, you know, I, I'm frustrated with them. You know, but at the same time, like I'm not overly pissed off for you know saying fuck them or nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, who would your dream fight be against? Dream fight, Conor McGregor. You say Conor McGregor? Yeah, for sure. And how do you see that fight going? You, you gonna just drag him down? Yes. I mean, that's the thing with Conor. Like, I mean, I know he's got decent wrestling. I know he's got decent jiu-jitsu, but the thing with Conor that he does well is he talks these dudes. He gets in their head, and all these guys. Poirier, all these guys, uh, you know, uh, Alvarez. Um, uh, uh, I think that Nate, Nate that Nate Diaz is horrible. All these guys, they they get in, they get in his, they, he gets in their head, and after he gets in their head, they want to go out there and Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor, and they go out there and strike with him, and they get slipped. I think that's the that's the biggest issue with with people that fight Conor. If Khabib goes out there and tries to stand up to Connor like he's done his last few fights, Connor's gonna get—I mean, Khabib's gonna get knocked the hell out. But if Khabib has any sense, which he probably don't, <laughs> he'll go out there and he'll touch gloves and he'll start wrestling, shooting the, the the lowest single legs he can grab, try not to get hit by Connor, and hopefully that works out for him. I mean, that's pretty much the the way everyone sees the fight going. If Khabib stands with him, he gets knocked out. If he takes him down, Connor's gonna get yeah. around the ring. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the only way it can go. Yeah, I agree. Now, you briefly retired to pursue politics. How was the experience running for um, Carter County Register of Deeds? Well, it cost me about $15,000 to figure out who my real friend was. I guess that, that's the easiest way to put it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it didn't turn out well for me. You know, I lost. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I learned a lot. I learned a lot in the political world of how things are done and how, you know, how you got to act and how you got to be. But, you know, at the same time, man, like, it paid $80,000 a year. You know, that was the main reason i done it. Uh, I told that to everybody. I was honest about everything. You know, I didn't sugarcoat anything to anybody. You know, to be a politician, you've got to be a liar. And that's just something that I'm really not. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of the people that, that voted for me and backed me knew that and liked that. And some of the other people didn't. You know, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing is most people, how I truly feel is most people would rather you look them in their face and lie to them and let it be something they want to hear rather than it for it to be like me tell you some real shit and it's being something you don't want to hear. That's how most people are, man. Most people just rather know that you're lying to them and, and it be something they want to hear compared to, you know, to the other way around. So I think that's kind of played a big part in, in, in why the things didn't work out the way I did. Well, I mean, that's good to know. But, yeah, it always seems like uh, political people are very shady. Now, out of all the things you have experience in, MMA, boxing, Muay Thai, football, motocross, which would you want your kids to follow in your footsteps in? Uh... Man, you know, to me, I, I don't even, you know, when I first had kids and everything, I was like, man, you know, I want my kids to play football. I want them to, you know, be the best at that, you know, all this stuff. But I don't care, man. As long as my kids are doing something that makes them happy, it don't matter to me at all. I, I just want them to, you know, have a good life and have fun, dude. That's all I care about. Sounds good. 
Now, how can your fans stay up to date with you on social media? Yeah, you know, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff on uh, Adam Townsend MMA. And I've also uh, been doing a lot of, uh, like, a lot of gaming here lately. Been playing a lot of Fortnite like a big loser. And uh, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitch. Uh, Twitch is the same way. And on my Xbox gamer tag is also at Adam Townsend MMA. So very easy to follow, very easy to, to, to find on everything. It's all one name. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you being on Early Stoppage today, and I hope to see you in the cage soon, hopefully fighting for the welterweight title because it's, it's more than deserved. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate you. All right. That'll wrap up today's episode with Adam Primetime Townsend. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, peace.